On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, I am joined by the host of the Max von Aachen podcast, a contributor to Sports Talk 2319, and the radio personality of 104.7 down in Orlando, Florida. That is Max von Aachen. And we discuss his thoughts on the finals and the upcoming transactions that we could be expecting in this NBA free agency. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be right back with you after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Dash channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, the host, and I have a very special guest lined up today. He's the host of the Max von Aachen podcast. He's a contributor to Sports Talk 2319 and a radio personality on 104.7 down in Orlando, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Max von Aachen. Max, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing fantastic. That was quite the intro. I appreciate the kind words. It's always nice to come on your show and uh, talk hoops with you. I love your work and what you're doing as well. So I definitely appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much. You know, we, we dialogue quite a bit on, on, on the Twitter, as the old people say on the Twitter. And uh, have a good time. I love your insight. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all the work that you're doing on 2319. I know you all have some big stuff lined up, particularly for the draft. So I'm going to give you an opportunity real quick before we get going into the meat of the show, just to kind of share all the stuff that you have going on right now, Max. Uh, Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a packed week. I'm actually leaving for Atlanta tomorrow. Um, A couple stuff before SUV TV, but yeah, that's definitely it right there. So Thursday, covering the draft, 8 p.m. Eastern time on SUV TV. You got Rashad, you got Kate, such a talented crew. And um, SUV TV does such a great job with their production and presenting the material like you can have great content but you got to present it a certain way and they do such a great job of doing that and um it's always an honor to work with them so yeah it's it's gonna be a packed show so if you if you find yourself having some time and you want a little bit of uh an in-depth breakdown of certain players and want everyone to get their flowers from first to second round um that's definitely the show to tune into and that's something we pride ourselves on is doing our homework and making sure um everyone gets their flowers at the end of the day um, we can give strong opinions. We can think this person may be better than this person, but at the end of the day, this is their night. I mean, the draft night is their night. They walk across the stage, all that hard work, and they should all um, definitely deserve. They get they deserve their flowers, and that's what we really enjoy and pride ourselves on doing. Yeah, and you guys do such a tremendous job on you know twenty three nineteen. Rashad, I've had him on the show a few times. Had you on the show before? You know, you're. I love your platform, and I love the support that y'all give to other people as well. Y'all just y'all do a lot of great things, man. Um, so best of luck to you. Hope the draft went well. Um, by the time the folks are listening to this, it'll be Monday on the Dash Radio Show. So you know, I'm willing to bet that you had a great show, man, because just based off of the uh, the reputation that you guys already have built around you. So um. Without further ado, uh, Max, we didn't get a chance to dialogue about the NBA Finals, and it was such an entertaining bout between the Phoenix Suns and the now NBA champions, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we had a battle of storylines, as you always do, where you had the the young phenom, Giannis Antetokounmpo, rising above you know his hyperextended left knee, battling the savvy, hungry veteran, Chris Paul. Um, Devin Booker balled out. He kind of stepped up into that next level of NBA player, um, into that kind of star, the superstar stratosphere, whichever way you want to kind of look at that. And plus, you had the unsung heroes of the regular season, 
taking a huge step into, you know, the the mainstream media's attention and a Chris Middleton and a Drew Holiday. So a lot of tantalizing storylines, a lot of great, you know, pieces of, you know, just NBA fandom that could be had in this matchup. So overall, what were your feelings of, of the way that that the finals broke down? Well, I'll start off with my analogy. And that is okay. So there's so many. That's what the beautiful thing about sports is. We can watch the same exact thing, but then take away certain parts of it. And there's really no right or wrong. That's why when people are like, oh, I know basketball, you can't really say that because there's no right or wrong when it comes to it. It's opinionated. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. some people may just make or form opinions that they don't have any factual information on. They're just saying it just to say it. Now, that's a different story. But with Giannis, I compared him. So, you know, I always love my analogy. So I did a oh, yeah. horrible analogy. You probably have seen it with him. With the Hulk. And I'm like, he's just the most dominant force in the NBA right now who can't get stopped. That was what the Hulk was. But what made Hulk even better was Professor Hulk. So you have the dominance, you have the physicality of Hulk. But when you take Bruce Banner's brains behind it, where he can channel it and control it, you have the best of both worlds. And Giannis, we have seen him unlock Professor Hulk. And that's what I've been waiting this whole time. And a lot of people thought in order to get Professor Hulk, you had to develop a three-point jump shot. And that's not what it is. Professor Hulk just thought the way Bruce Banner thought. And so Giannis unlocked a different part of his game where he was able to read and adapt in the middle of a series. And before we didn't see that, we would just see him dominate. He would put up stats, but he's like, Oh, wait a second. If I play off the ball, I do a little bit more pick and roll, let Drew holiday and Middleton thrive on the perimeter. I'm much more effective and that elevates my teammates. And that's exactly what happened. And then wait a second, if I catch it a little bit lower, maybe on top of the elbow, top of the key, I can then dish it to P.J. Tucker, who's known for his corner shot, because all the defense is collapsing. So we saw him unlock that part. And we all know his dominance. We all knew his physicality. But now that he's unlocked that Professor Hulk quality, we're like, man, he he's like the best player in the world now. Yeah, and I love that analogy. First off, Max, uh, you, you're speaking to my heart because I'm a huge comics guy as well. I love you know the analogy that you have of sports and comics, and it's funny enough. A, a good buddy of mine at Off the Ball Network, you know Jeff Hunt, he he does a comic show and he does a sports show, and I've had the pleasure to come on there and you know discuss you know shows like WandaVision, things like that. And, you know, we tell people, you know, it's cool that you can kind of be a nerd about sports and a nerd about comics as well. And, you know, you have the best of both worlds. So I appreciate, you know, the the analogy that you compare them to. And you're absolutely right, because we saw Giannis really grow as a basketball savant in the finals. You know, it used to just he was just, you know, like a young Hulk, just kind of force of nature, run through the brick wall, jump off the helicarrier, whatever you needed him to do, he would do it. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's just kind of mocking his own strength in a way, like how he did in, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. So that's that's awesome. I love that analogy. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss to you was specifically about the adjustment portion from Coach Bud. Now, this is a guy that, you know, has long been criticized for, you know, it's my way or the highway. I'm not going to change anything about my game. But one of the biggest adjustments was he took the ball out of Giannis's hand in clutch in clutch situations and at long stretches in the finals, and he put it in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday's hand. Now, the way that I analyzed this, Max, was that when you get Giannis as a screener and a roller, and the way that NBA defenses are so specifically designed nowadays to switch, you have a bigger guy on a Drew Holiday and a Chris Middleton and a smaller guy on a Giannis, but you have them in ideal situations where Giannis has the smaller guy on him cutting to the basket. And then you have the smaller guys 
on, or excuse me, the bigger guys on a Drew Holiday and a Chris Middleton out on the perimeter. That way, everyone is in their most ideal situation to take advantage of the defense. And Milwaukee, after going down two games to none, went on what I'm affectionately referring to now as the Milwaukee stretch or the Milwaukee sweep, where they win four straight in a row and win the final. So about that specific adjustment where Giannis had the ball taken out of his hands but still dominated the game, what did you think about that particular aspect of Milwaukee's run? I loved it, and that's what I went on Ryan Holmes' live. We even talked about it on my show, and I was like, Ryan, and he agreed. He was like, yeah, you take the ball out of his hands. Now, when you initially tell the best player on a team to take the ball out of your hands, that doesn't make sense initially, but Mm-hmm. When it, I'm not saying Giannis is Michael Jordan, but when you watch the last dance, for I mean, that's just the thing that we all watched recently, especially in quarantine. What did Phil Jackson do initially when he got there? He said, look, Michael, yeah, you're scoring 45 points. You're leading the league in scoring, but what are you doing? He's like, mm-hmm. we're going to take the ball out of your hands. Now, initially, Michael was reluctant. He's like, I'm winning MVPs, scoring titles. Why would you do that? But by doing that, it made the it made the defense play honestly, and it brought the best out of Pippen, it brought the best out of Rodman, it got the best out of Michael, where he's efficient. And that is exactly what they needed to do with Giannis and utilize his strength. It's like when LeBron had Rondo on his team, why in the world would you handle the ball? Because if you handle the ball, Rondo's not known to be off the ball. He's not a shooter. So you're you're taking away from what he's good at. And so you utilize people in the right at in the right ways. And that's what he did. And Giannis, you're dominant in the paint. How can we incorporate you to get in the paint without you always dominating the ball? Because Milton's a great shot creator who scores a lot of buckets late in games. And so is Holiday, and they can create offense for you. And I think when you when you see that and they're not as predictable, that's what made them so dangerous because right. they're not so predictable. It's not, all right, Giannis has the ball, everyone get out the way. Um, so I love that. And one thing you touched on it, um, Coach Boonhoser deserves his flowers because we – as media members, as fans, we're always so quick to judge and be a prisoner of the moment. Oh, this guy's the best player in the world, or this guy's awful. And so if we're going to do that, and I'm not saying maybe just you individually, but just everyone in general, sure. when you go on Twitter, if we're like, and I was critical of Budenholzer, I'm like, I don't think he makes the right, I don't think he's making enough adjustments. It was almost like a Mike D'Antoni thing. It's like, you're a great regular season guy, coach system, but when it came to playoff time, are you able to make those just little adjustments and fine tune it to win those close games. And at first I didn't think he was, and I've got criticized. Well, not, I don't hate to use the word criticize, but I pointed that out. And sure. then when he does do it, he deserves his flowers and he did do it. And so as much as we want, it's like Paul George, did he have a bad postseason in the bubble? Absolutely. But did he play well in his last postseason? Absolutely. You can do mm-hmm. both. So as much as we want to tear down coach Budenholzer for what he didn't do, we also have to make sure we give him credit for what he did do in the biggest stage of the NBA Finals and Brooklyn Nets and the Hawks. So I think what they did was incredible. And I know a lot of people wanted to say, oh, the injuries and this happened. That's a part of the game. I mean, that is a part of the the sport. And so I don't think we could take anything away from them. And the fact that they were able to adjust and not let the pressure get to them from being down 0-2 multiple times was beyond impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And and finding themselves in, you know, uh, a, in a situation that they probably didn't want to be in at the beginning of the series to go on that incredible run is just phenomenal on their part. So 
Now, Max, I want to transition to the unfortunate team. I don't want to call them losers because, you know, they made the NBA Finals. There's a lot to be said about a team making it to the NBA Finals, regardless of the outcome. They were even up 2-0, so, you know, they showed a well enough fight at the beginning. But, you know, the biggest the biggest point of conversation for Phoenix right now is Chris Paul. There's a couple points of conversation about Chris Paul right now. One, there's the whole, you know, he's going to be one of the best players that doesn't have a ring. You know, there's people that feel like they have to dialogue on whether or not that affects his legacy. Max, I'm of the mindset to where he's a great winner. He's a great player. He's a great Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it at his position, even without the ring. But there there might be a little something to be said about the fact that he never got one. And then there's the aspect of does he return to Phoenix? So, Max, I'm interested to get your take on both of those questions. You know, what did this finals do for Chris Paul and his in the impact on his legacy? And then do you think that he stays in Phoenix? Um, well, he was my MVP this season. Obviously, he didn't get that. And I'm not Jokic did deserve it, but he was my MVP this season. And, I, and I've called it the Wi-Fi DNA, where he doesn't connect with everybody, but the people he does connect with, he will elevate. And he clearly connected with D-Book and Aiton and Crowder. So, I, But I think what this finals did was it brought people's attention, hey, everywhere he goes, they get better. Which he, I don't know if you haven't realized it yet. I'm not sure how, but clearly doing it on the finals level, you have no choice but to realize it. And to do it on a Phoenix team, which is the the Lakers won it last year, which is the first time since the 2008 Boston Celtics where you go from not making the playoffs to going and winning a championship. The mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns almost did that. They went from not making the playoffs to then going to the finals. And obviously, Coach Monty Williams and D. Book deserve their flowers too. But what Chris Paul was able to do was beyond incredible. But unfortunately, now him not winning a ring doesn't take away anything that he's done. He's still a solidified Hall of Famer, first ballot. But when we do compare the all-time greats, I would be lying to you if I said that doesn't matter. Because when you when you find two, like when you're really comparing who's better, they're all so great. So you're really yeah. nitpicking, and you're like, okay, this guy has X amount of points for his career. Maybe he averaged two more points. He has more all-stars, more MVPs. So everything does matter, and especially when you're in that top three, five point guard of all time, you have to nitpick. And so it unfortunately will be used against him because a guy like Curry has three, um, Magic has rings, Oscar Robertson has rings. So when you compare him to those individuals, it will matter. Um, But if you're just judging him based off his value as a basketball player, it won't matter. So like I said, it depends on how you're looking or how you want to judge him and kind of the circumstance on what you're talking about him with. As far as whether he stays or not, this is a really tricky situation because – you can never tell like an individual what is better for him. So if he wanted to stay in Phoenix because the money is more important for him and his family and generational wealth, you got to respect that. It's not like he's not in a good situation. You have obviously the Phoenix Suns is a very young and talented team. But, and I will say this now, a lot of people, oh, you're a Lakers homer. I'm not. <laughs> I'm but being on it. We just talked about legacy. So if you already have generational wealth, You've already had a long career where you've made tons of money. He's clearly a very intelligent guy. Um, and you know he has tons of endorsement deals outside of the court as well. If you're already set and you have generational wealth, you have everything lined up, and the one thing that we keep talking about is you winning a ring, why would you not, if that's what you, if that's what you truly want, why would you not put yourself in the best position to do that? And now he may feel, hey, if we run it back, we can, and that may be the case. But if you're CP3 and you have an opportunity to exercise certain options and possibly go with 
LeBron, who you're the godfather of his child, the banana boat, you've always wanted to play with him. You're at the end of your careers. And what does the Lakers need? A playmaker who's savvy, who could take mm-hmm. the ball where LeBron, who's in year, I mean, year 19, doesn't have to do everything. And Chris Paul, we're not asking you to be the first or second option. We're just asking you to do what you do. Like, it, it would literally be a perfect puzzle piece for both of them. So if his, if he needs to ask himself, what does he want? Because if it's money, stay in Phoenix. If it's, okay, listen, the only thing I'm missing is a championship, then it's kind of a no-brainer in my opinion because as good as Phoenix may be even if they run it back, their solution won't really be fixed overnight because they're physically a smaller team. Like DeAndre Ayton's big, but Milwaukee was just so imposing. The Lakers are the other, the, probably the first or second biggest team behind Milwaukee. So all of his answers will be solved if he were to go there and exercise that option. But at the end of the day, it's what he chooses. Is it the money route or is it the championship? Yeah, and that's all well and good. And speaking of money, real quick, Max, I just want to remind everybody that if they want to save some money and look good, they can go over to they can go over to mybookie.com and they can enter in promo code off the ball, which is where I contribute to as a writer and as a podcaster. They can go to mybookie.com, make any bet that they want, and they can get matched up to fifty percent of their first deposit and up to a thousand dollars cash. That is the best deal in the industry. They have the highest credit card acceptance rates and fast 48-hour payout processing. Just use promo code off the ball and let's win big. Again, that's promo code off the ball. So, Max, I want to transition now from Chris Paul to the guy who really stepped up for this team. You know, he was he's long been the face of the franchise. It's kind of been a downtrodden laughing stock out in the Western Conference. That's Devin Booker. Now, Max, I think. Everyone noticed how great of an offensive talent he's been over the last few seasons. This season certainly elevated him into another realm of, like I said, star to superstar. Depending on how you want to evaluate him, that's fine. One thing that I don't think think it that I don't think got talked about enough, excuse me, was the fact that he stepped on the defensive side of the ball pretty well. Did you notice that as well, Max? Yeah, no, absolutely. His effort. A lot of the defense is just effort. And like he mm-hmm. showcased that, I think, because he understood the platform he was going to be able to play at in the stage. It's a completely different stage than what he's used to. So it adds an extra layer of motivation. But also what impressed me is he scored 70 in the game. So I'm not that I, I'm not trying to take away from his offense, but I knew how talented he is offensively. What his leadership and poise, because Chris Paul always talked about how he's an old soul and a young body. He never seemed rattled. Like, of course, he chirped back and forth, but that's just that dog in him. It's just because of his competitive nature. But he just seemed like he lives for those moments, like that Mamba mentality. Like, he really does enjoy the pressure. He enjoys the moment, um, stage presence. And to never really, like, lose it or um, I don't want to say pressure get to him, but just to not let anything really interfere other than his objective at such a young age, I thought was incredible. And that's something that will always carry throughout his career because the older he gets, the more mature and experienced. So for him to already be at that stage at such a young age, the sky's the limit. So to me, yeah, you you were right. The defensive effort and then his like maturity and mentality throughout the whole postseason was incredible. Yeah, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But Max, I would just, you know, I think that when you're a fan watching this game, you know, you and I, we dissect this game. There's a big part of us that are fans, but there's a bigger part of us that has to analyze this game, have the fine, the finer points to discuss, you know, maybe look for something that not a lot of people are talking about and kind of bring that to the light. Um, Just put the analyst to the side. Speak to me now as a fan 
how did you how did you enjoy this NBA's finals compared to the previous years? I loved it. I really did. I felt like when you watched it, you had two competitive teams who both are, were fiending to win it. Like, when's the last time Milwaukee's won a championship? It was like 50 years ago with Kareem. Right. Well, it wasn't even Kareem. It was Lou Alcindor. And then mm-hmm. Phoenix never won it. And so it's like you have in Chris Paul's storyline, and you talk about Giannis's narrative. And so you saw two teams, smaller markets, uh, stories, individuals, and it was just everything you wanted to see in a competitive finals. And they had all the ingredients for that. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know we love the stars and the super teams and that's okay, but not every movie has to be an Avengers. Like it's okay to have a standalone. <laughs> and and that's exactly what this was. And so I love it. I did as well. And before we move on from the finals, Max, I'm going to ask you now that Milwaukee has won a ring after multiple seasons of being the top regular season team in the East, how does winning a championship, the elevation, the ascent of Giannis Antetokounmpo, the ascent of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, how does that impact their free agency in your eyes? You said, and how does it what? Affect their affect um, the allure of Milwaukee as kind of a free agent destination. Right. Um, I think it definitely adds an element. Whenever you're the best player in the world or you're right there in discussion, you're going to attract players. And a lot of people talk about location and smaller market. And that may be the case, but I think a tad of bit that's a little overrated because We've seen players team up, and whether no matter what the market is, and I just think they have an ingredient that a San Antonio has had, um, that a Golden State has had pre-Kevin Durant, where they're not really even seeking the big free agent. The way they built this championship was organically, was um, just developing their players and trusting in each other. And I know it sounds cliche, but I think that's why the ratings were so good, was because these fan bases – have been through the struggles with the Chris Middleton and the Giannis. They've been through the struggles of a Phoenix who's been in a drought for so long and Devin Booker stayed there and continued to want to win. And that's why Portland loves Dame so much. So like there's a different type of element you get when a, when a team truly builds through the ground up, like golden state pre strength and numbers, pre Kevin Durant, it would just had a different feel to it because they earned that Draymond was drafted. Curry was drafted. Clay was drafted. And then all of a sudden it was just a quick coaching change and then their style of play changed, but it was the same group. Um, and I think that's what Milwaukee has. And the fact that they're not dependent on free agents, it makes them even more attractive because it's the culture and the situation that they built. And I think that's truly special. And Giannis is the type of guy where no matter what roster he has, he truly believes he can win every game and he's going to give his 100% effort. So I think Milwaukee's in a fantastic position. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that Milwaukee has put themselves in a great position to make some good decisions. Speaking of good pos- or good decisions and putting yourself in, in an excellent spot, why don't you go over to manscaped.com, go ahead and shop for whatever you want, enter in promo code BTG, and that'll hook you up with 20% off of any purchase that you make. That's even on top of the already great deals that they have. And I'll hook you up with worldwide shipping. Just go to manscaped.com at checkout, enter promo code BTG. That'll let them know that I sent you. And because I'm such good friends with the folks over there, they'll hook you up with a 20% discount and free worldwide shipping. That's manscaped.com, promo code BTG. All right, Max, so now we're going to transition from finals discussion into, you know, a lot of people love the the NBA regular season. A lot of people love the finals, but there's a good crowd of people, man, that really just love the free agency period. I'm telling you, when I'm playing 2K, Sometimes I'll just simulate the season. I'll go to the offseason. I'll do the draft and I'll sign my free agents and make my trades. 
and then see what happens when I simulate it. So now I want to go ahead and shift gears. want to talk about one trade that actually just happened yesterday. Um, by the time that we're doing this live, if you're listening Monday, this happened last week, right? And there was a trade that happened between the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. They agreed to a trade that where the Memphis Grizzlies sent away Jonas Valanciunas, the 17th pick in this year's draft, the 51st pick in this year's draft. And then the Memphis Grizzlies got Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th and 40th pick in this season, and a protected 2022 first round draft pick. So Max, we talked about this a little bit before the show. I've got a preliminary feel on how you on how you reacted to this trade. Who do you think benefits the most and what aspects of this trade do you find the most intriguing? Well, uh, it's it's really 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 interesting because when you pair any type of piece with Zion, it just that's what comes to your mind. So a Valachunas will probably fit better than an Adams with Zion, and that's immediately what they initially what they were looking at. But I think Memphis got a they moved up, so they moved, up, and that's interesting because I th- I would lean towards Memphis, and I really I think both parties that was the right move, but Memphis I think understands the value of having a young player. And I think they're doing a great job of having a sense of urgency early. A lot of times we see a young player develop, get his stats. And then by like year six, seven, we're like, okay, we need to get him to win. And then they start making moves. But I think the earlier you do it is the better, obviously. And Jaw is an exceptional, rare talent. And I think by moving up in the draft, they're going to want to pair him with another offensive creator, another initiator, another guy to give him buckets. Um, which is essential for what he does. I mean, clearly he loves to accept a challenge and take on that offensive load, but realistically you need another guy to help him out, whether it's backcourt, on the wing. And I think by moving up in the draft, this gives them that position to do so and create that type of culture for Jaw. So I would lean towards Memphis. It just depends on what they do with that pick. You, I believe you said the 10th pick. So it's who Correct. do they get with that 10th pick. Um, yeah, and so that's the interesting part because there's so many different options. But initially, like guys that stand out to me is like Cameron Thomas and Bones Highland, and they're projected way later in the draft. But guys that can initiate the offense and create for themselves takes the pressure off him. And so it's really what are they seeking in the player, and I would believe it's something like that. And like I said, I know those guys are projected a little bit later, but I think those guys fit perfectly with Jaws name. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go to offtheballnetwork.com where you can get all of your sports needs, I adjusted my mock draft based off of where I think guys are going to pan out long term. But also due to this recent trade, I had to update my my mock draft and I kind of tweaked my big board a little bit as well. But right now I have the Memphis Grizzlies projected to get Moses Moody, who I think comes in. You know, he's a University of Arkansas guy. So going over to Tennessee is a short little trip for him. Um, he's a slashing guy, projected to be a pretty decent three-point shooter as well. He's got great size, can create as kind of like a secondary or tertiary type playmaker, um, but ultimately is going to be just a bucket getter. And I think that that pairing would work out well. Now, Max, you touched on an interesting point about building around Zion. I'm of the mindset that, look, you have to build around him the right way. I kind of liken him to what we just saw with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to have high usage. He's going to have to create for other people. The biggest problem with Adams was is that he doesn't stretch the floor. If you pay attention to the NBA, you know that Jonas Valanciunas has that ability to hit a corner three, kind of like a Brooke Lopez or a Bobby Portis that we just saw in Milwaukee. 
Max, how much do you think Jonas Valanciunas as a scorer, a rebounder, and not even really a bad defender either, how much do you think that that can elevate a Zion situation in New Orleans? Oh, tremendously. Tremendously, you just said the fact that he could stretch out in the corner, knock down the three. Um, he's, he's a veteran-type player, get you a bucket, take the offensive load off Zion. Not all the points need to be scored in the paint by Zion. Just to having another scoring threat and interior presence with a Brandon Ingram on the wing, who knows what they do with Lonzo. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. It's A lot of people think you have to knock it out of the park and land like the huge free agent to take a leap. And it's like, no, like you said, a Brooke Lopez with Giannis made the world of a difference. The just small getting a P.J. Tucker made the world of a difference. Just Jay Crowder for Phoenix. Like just the small veteran players, like small tweaks, small adjustments, glue guys are the guys that can elevate your stars. And so – I always talk about like Wi-Fi or or Bluetooth. It would be like a Wi-Fi hotspot. It's like this guy's to help elevate them, and that's what they can do. So I think that was a fantastic – that's what I said for both parties. It makes tons of sense. Yeah, and I agree, and it'll be interesting to see. We won't ever get the full grade until, you know, about five, six years from now, especially when there's a future first-round draft pick involved. We'll never really know who won long-term, but in the short term, I think it works out best for both teams, you know, New Orleans gets the best player out of the deal. Memphis gets to move up in the draft and try to find some young players to grow alongside of John Morant. And I think that's what both teams are ultimately ultimately looking for. So, all right, now, Max, we're going to transition now to the transactions that should be happening um, in this offseason based on the, the rumors or the smoke that we're seeing from uh, reporters and from the media, even from some of the players. Um, so I have a list of players that I want to discuss with you. And uh, see, just kind of gauge where, where you're looking at them possibly going if they go anywhere at all. So first off, Max, I want to start with John Collins, you know, the the forward slash center out of Atlanta. They just had a great season. You know, he's probably looking to maximize the production that he just had um, on the court into into his pocketbook now. So, you know, he's due for a payday. Atlanta is the team on the rise, and they just simply can't sign everybody that they have on this roster long term. So how important do you think it is for Atlanta to keep Collins, or do you think they look to move him and save some change for a guy like a, you know DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish down the line? Um, I think you keep him. Now, obviously, as a GM, you always have to keep your options open. It's a business at the end of the day, and your ultimate goal is to win. So, I mean, if there's a a lucrative trade or just somebody that's just making an absurd offer for him because they want young talent. I'm not saying don't even pay that any mind, always pay that mind, but you have a young dynamic core that's growing and getting better. They went to the Eastern conference finals in their first playoff run together. So when you initially have that and you're building this culture, you're building that momentum. The last thing you really want to do is tear that momentum apart. Um, unless it's really enhancing your team that makes all the sense in the world. So unless it's an incredible, like there's something that comes out to them that they can believe they can land this guy or trade this guy, I think they should do what it takes to keep John Collins, keep Trey Young, keep that young core, and I think aggressive wins. And I think you get aggressive and you pay him the money and keep that initially right there as it is. Yeah, and I, I kind of share that same mindset as you, Max. I mean, who's to say that he doesn't just keep growing and developing and whatever contract he gets today, you know, two, three years down the line, he might outperform even that contract. So who's to say what that looks like down the road? I say you keep him, you, you know, and Nate McMillan is not the type of coach that's in the business of losing, right? So if you keep a Collins, you just like you just said, Max, you saw what happened this season. 
You have young guys that are growing together and around a Collins. And look, it worked this year. Why would you want to break it down for next season? And you still keep flexibility down the road in the future because Atlanta's really not hurting for money. Um, I really love that insight on your part there, Max. Um, so another guy now, we're going to stay in the East, a little bit up north now. We're going to go to Brooklyn, right? Now, Spencer Dinwiddie didn't play at all this season, um, was injured. But, you know, he was kind of the mastermind or at least gets credited to for the recruitment of a Kyrie Irving, which ultimately made Kevin Durant feel comfortable enough to commit down there or up there in Brooklyn. And then ultimately, James Harden was like, I would like to play with those guys as well. So a lot of dominoes, you know, stood in front of one another. They all fell where they did and they got a pretty good team for down the road. It didn't really pan out this season, but we we all know that if everything's hitting right, Brooklyn is going to be a threat to win an NBA championship down the road. How important is the Spencer Dinwiddie, though, to you, Max? Do you think that they should try to move him to maybe upgrade their front court? Do you think that they try to make their their bench a little bit deeper? Or do you think that just keeping Spencer Dinwiddie makes their team all the better? They're in a win-win. You keep Spencer Dinwiddie, you have him off the bench, you have another guy that can give you 20 easily. Um, but ultimately, I think they'll probably – you find a need and you fill it. They need more depth. They need more role players, play a little bit of defense, shoot. Um, I think they'll ultimately exercise and see what options they can get for him. And I think he's he's such a smart individual, too. I think he understands what he can do in a situation. And I believe he'll probably want – I mean, I can't speak for him, but if he stays in Brooklyn, you have a great opportunity to win a championship. But there's still plenty of championship-level teams that could really use a Spencer Dinwiddie in an even bigger role than what he would be in Brooklyn. So I think Brooklyn will look to exercise and see what they can get for him. They're obviously being extremely aggressive with their signings and options. So I think they'll definitely see what they can get, what the market's like. And I think there's a really good market for Dinwiddie. Like I said, there's so many good teams that are trying to be great. So many great teams that are trying to be championship teams that can really use Spencer. So I believe he'll probably leave Brooklyn. Um, I don't know what team. Like I, I got, It's so easy to say like a Lakers because of where they're at. But a Lakers could really use a Dinwiddie. Um, but there's a lot of teams that could use Dinwiddie for sure. Yeah, and one team I haven't, I didn't really do a lot of research as far as teams, but I'm listening to everything that you're saying about him and you know how much he could help a team that's looking to take that next step. How about a Dallas who does have you know kind of a good little assortment of front court players? Yep. I don't know if they necessarily fit um, the 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 type of clout that the players in Brooklyn are bringing. But I mean, you got a Maxi Kleba, you know, you've got, you know, other guys that you can bring over, you know, a, a Dorian Finney Smith. Um, those guys might fit well in Brooklyn. And then obviously Spencer Dinwiddie playing next to Luka Doncic would be something to watch, in, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what a Dallas needs is another guy that can get a bucket and take the offensive load off Luka because, I mean, it didn't take really long to realize, oh, wow, that he's literally running every part of the offense. You can only do that for so long, no matter how talented you are. By a seven-game series, he's exhausted, and they clearly need somebody who can ball handle, initiate the offense, create their own shot on the perimeter, and he does all of those things. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree there. All right, so now we're going to stay in the same position now. We're going from one guard to another, and Colin Sexton, still in the Eastern Conference, uh, has has had a lot of smoke around his name. I don't know how much fire is here, but um, you got teams like Miami, you got teams like New York. I've even seen, you know, the Clippers be rumored to be interested in his services. Uh, you know, he's right on that threshold of being possibly an all-star player in the Eastern Conference in the guard spot. Uh, what do you think of Cleveland shopping him? Do you think that this is pointing to the direction that they want to go in the draft, or do you think that you're just trying to get 
as much as they can to help build their team up. Well, everything leaks for a reason. There's always a who's leaking it, why are they leaking it, when they're leaking it. So there could be a little bit of both. Um, but I do think Cleveland really does want to exercise that um, and go in a different direction. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I think Lonzo Ball and Colin Sexton are going to be the two players we're going to look back at next season and be like, yeah, those are those are the breakthrough players of the year. Because okay. both – I know I kind of bounced around Alonzo, but both players are going to probably end up in a different situation, and they have incredible value. I am so high on Colin Sexton. I Even when I interviewed him, uh, my family actually knows him personally. My cousin went to high school with him. Uh, he's, he's an incredible player. He can get it done on both ends, playmaker – and this is no disrespect to Cleveland, but you're you're a product of your environment ultimately, and situation matters. And it's kind of it, besides LeBron, we've really never seen a guy really excel in Cleveland. And so if you see him in New York, which is a team that's established a culture now with a coach Thibodeau who plays hard, who gets up and down and plays defense, that yep. that fits his that fits his brand to a T. And then all of a sudden we're like, wow, that's what they needed. That other guy who's right, that could be an all-star, who attacks and is aggressive, who has that dog mentality. You look at a Miami, like you said, a culture where they play hard, they play tough, they're well-coached, mm-hmm. they're well-ran. You put him with a Jimmy Butler and a Bam, that's an elite defensive team right out the gate. So I think we're going to see Colin Sexton next season. If he ends up in a different situation, we'll be like, wow, yeah, that, that's the guy that that team needed. And he'll have tons of attention, and the same goes for Lonzo Ball. Those are my two breakthrough uh, players next year. Well, let's stay here with Lonzo Ball. You just said that he's going to be a breakthrough player. Uh, how much of that is going to be fit? Um, how much is that going to be him staying in New Orleans? Or is there a team that you're kind of keeping your eye on to where you think that Lonzo will end up? Um, I know it seems like we're saying the same teams, but it's just when you look at trade assets, you look at what they have, um, what they need, and it's like a Knicks, um, a Lakers, or a Clippers they need a point guard who can play make, who can play defense, pushes the ball up, who high IQ, good locker room guy. So him as an individual, he's gotten stronger. He's fixed his shooting mechanics. He's yes, already he a great has. passer, already has great IQ, long, great positional, great positional size. He is a perfect fit for LeBron now and the perfect fit for the Lakers. He would be perfect with the Clippers. He'd be perfect with the Knicks. And even if he stays in New Orleans, with a Zion, with an Ingram, and now we just said Valachunas, I think he's going to excel wherever he goes because of the improvements he's done on his game and just because of the player he is. Of course, situation matters, but I think he thrives in pretty much all of those situations, and that's why I think he'll be a breakthrough player. Yeah, to me, I mean, the the fact that he has such great size that you just pointed to, Max, that points to his positional versatility. How many teams do we see nowadays run a three-guard set, you know, where he might be the guy that's guarding the two or the three? So there's a whole lot that you could fall in love with with Alonzo Ball on your team. There was a little bit of smoke, you know, last season that Chicago might be interested in the lower market and Alonzo Ball swap. I yeah. don't know how much is possibly there. What do you think about Chicago, Max? nasty him and Zach Levine would be nasty that's exactly what Zach Levine needs a guy that can throw him open transition lobs plays defense you do the scoring Lonzo has the Bluetooth quality and for those of your fans just listening that probably sounds crazy but he can connect to any device you put him in LeBron has that quality he and LaMelo has that quality Lonzo Ball coincidentally both Ball brothers have that quality where you can put him in any situation he's not ball dominant but yet, if you need him to run the offense and have the ball in his hands, he could do that. He elevates others. He's a great locker room guy. 
So seeing him with the Zach Levine in Chicago would be nasty. That's why I just there's not a lot of situations I can see him in where I'm like, oh, they can't use Alonzo Ball. Yeah, and I'll wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I would like to see it maybe in Atlanta or in Memphis try to try to make a run for him too because they have the picks and they have the players. So, you know, try to build upon what they're already doing. So, all right, Max, we got a couple more players that I want to discuss with you. One uh, used to be kind of looked at as this kind of generational talent. Um, not so much anymore due to injury and due to playing next to Luka Doncic, uh, according to him. You know, uh, he Kristaps Porzingis hasn't necessarily been a fan of his time in Dallas and can't say that I necessarily blame him because he's been injured. You know, I mean, I don't know how much of it is Luca's fault, but I mean, the fact that he hasn't had the healthiest rundown in Dallas would probably make me upset as well. What do you think about the the reported comments that he has grown tired of being kind of a sidekick in Dallas? Um, what do you make of that? And do you think that there's any sort of trade value to him right now, or does he kind of have to prove himself a little bit more? Yeah. Um, well, first, Mark Cuban's a business guy, obviously, so he's not going to trade an asset that's at its lowest. And so obviously mm-hmm. you want to get your value higher so you can get more in return. But there's something that I think is going to surprise a lot of people is what Jason Kidd can do, because that's the power of having a respectable coach who played in the league. That's a hall of famer. When you have somebody that has the respect of their players immediately, um, that carries some weight. And so a lot of the coaching in the NBA is not necessarily the X's nose, but it's being able to deal with egos and being able to communicate with others. And I think Jason Kidd's a great communicator. Now, the way Rick Carlisle ran the offense didn't allow um, Porzingis to really excel. And so we never really saw what Luka and Porzingis can be because the way the offense was ran. And so if there's a different offense ran and all of a sudden Porzingis is getting more touches, I think whenever you're scoring more and you're winning, that kind of changes your attitude. So I really feel not to give up too early on this project. And I think Mark Cuban, I think we're going to be forced to watch it anyway because they're not going to trade him just yet unless they build up his value and they see something that makes sense. But I think that we're going to be surprised on what we will see from Porzingis this season, assuming he stays healthy, because like you said, availability is the the best ability. So in order for to see any of this come to fruition, he needs to be able to be healthy. And typically the bigger you are, the better, it doesn't really get better because of the stress and wear and tear on your joints being that big. But with medicine and the way Kevin Durant recovered from Achilles injury and Embiid's playing now, I wouldn't rule that out. So I just, I think we're going to be surprised. Like I said, if healthy, what we'll see from the both of them because of a cultural change. And I think the way that their style of play will change as well. Yeah. And one thing that I think that Dallas could benefit from is putting the ball in, in KP's hands at the elbow and letting, letting him run some handoffs, let him, you know, kind of use his unique size advantage that he has in a lot of situations to, to make passes that not a lot of other people can. I mean, you see, obviously Nikola Jokic is kind of like the go-to guy when you talk about bigs making plays, but you don't even have to look that far. You can look up in Portland at a Yosef Nurkic who has dealt with injuries as well. He has a very low to the ground game, um, a little bit bigger, a little bit burlier, but you know, he's capable of running an offense and how many of these European players do we see? They all know how to run, you know, dribble, catch and pass and shoot. Like that's, that's what they practice in Europe. I would love to see Dallas explore a little bit of that offense down in Dallas, Max, but a uh, couple more players that are rumored and we're starting to get to the the head honchos of the trade discussions and the rumors now. 
um, Bradley Bill in Washington. Now, for Bradley's credit, you know he's been rumored to be dealt for the past, I think, you know, ten years now almost. It's is he's always rumored yeah. to be in trade discussions, and uh, he does a really good job of of squelching those. But now we see Washington a position now where they've just hired a first time. Uh, NBA coach, longtime assistant coach, and Wes Unsell Jr. His family has history with the organization. Uh, to me, Max, that points to the fact that Washington's looking to maybe possibly rebuild. I don't, I don't have any reliable information that says that definitively. But usually, a first-time head coach with two bigger names almost kind of points to a rebuild. Maybe you give it one more season. What are your thoughts on Washington? With the obviously that I think that we both agree that the head coach hiring was phenomenal. Wes Unsell Jr. has long been deserving of an opportunity in the NBA, but Bradley Bill he's not getting any younger. The team's not getting any better around him. Do you think that he's finally dealt, or do you think he rides it out one more year? You rip the bandaid off. It's only a matter of time. So I think you rip the bandaid off. It's time to start fresh. It's time to start new. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. Hey, we had a good run with him. He was an All Star. Him and John Wall necessarily didn't really work compared to what the expectations were, but we, we he like I said, he was an all-star. So I think it's perfectly fine to say it's time to move on. I mean, Portland's getting to that point with Damian Lillard. It's, it's just time for a change no matter how talented that player is. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And so I think it's time for Bradley Beal to finally exercise that and and get to a team where, of course, like the Golden State has been brought up and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I think if we see Bradley Beal in a different situation, we have a completely different discussion. It's almost like a Devin Booker. It's, he's a guy who scores 30 points a game, but we don't really see him at any big stage during the postseason. But when you do, you're like, oh, wow, this guy is actually really incredible. And I think we're going to finally see that with Bradley Beal. Um, the question is just like you said, is it when? Do they ride it out with one more season? Um, I think at the end of the day, he will be on a different team. The question is just when. Yeah, and that's kind of the the logic that I subscribe to as well, Max, because you can only hear that you deserve to be in a better place you know, for so long before you finally say, you know what, maybe I do. Uh, you know, he's kind of paid his dues, I feel like, to the to the community of Washington. He went from being the second best player on the team to where John Wall was, you know, the the alpha on this team. He gets hurt. Bradley Bill steps it up to another level that I don't even think the 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 most optimistic of draft analysts could have seen what Bradley Bill has become now whenever he entered the NBA. He was more thought of, you know, this kind of at best a secondary type player, but he's shown now that he can be the face of a team and and, and be efficient and effective in it. It's just surrounding him with the right parts, right? So you, you hinted on the last guy that I want to discuss here on the show today, Max. And before we get into this guy, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, your insight is, you know, I, I value it dearly. Uh, you're, you're a brilliant uh, NBA mind, and I just thank you for being on the show. But we're going to get into Damian Lillard now. Um, obviously, you can't really – I don't want to call Damian Lillard a liar. He's just a really good businessman, you know, because we saw what happened with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Let out the article – uh, that Terry Stotts' time in Portland might be coming to an end. We're all familiar with the relationship that he has developed and cultivated with uh, Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard, to his credit, came out and didn't really necessarily squelch it, but he didn't really do anything to give his coach support either. Um, now there are rumors from the same guy, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, saying that you know Damian Lillard might be done in Portland now. And Damian, again, to his credit, hasn't outright said, that's not true. He's just done a really good job of saying, I never said that, you know? So 
do you think that Damian Lillard ultimately ends up staying in Portland or is he dealt to possibly a Golden State or a Philadelphia, maybe somewhere else? Um, I think he stays. Um, I think maybe uh, down the line, maybe next season or whatnot. I just, he may leave. I think he stays. I think if you really wanted to go, you would have expressed it. But another part of it is he's such a loyal guy. And not that it's rare nowadays, but obviously players are so mobile. Um, and I think it's just out of his character. And I think he feels like maybe he's doing something wrong. I'm not, but at the end of the day, no matter how a free agent is expressed leaving, we've always criticized them. So I can't really blame them because you can go the Kawhi Leonard way and just be quiet. And then all of a sudden just make the move you want. We're like, wow, we don't like how he did that. You could do the LeBron James way. And I'm going to make a formal announcement. This is where I'm going. You could do the Paul George way. You could do the James Harden and not play because you want to utilize your leverage. And we criticize him for doing that because, yeah. oh, he's supposed to play basketball. He's not playing. Um, you could do the Kyrie Irving way and have altercations with your coach or you just not getting along. You want to leave the first time in Cleveland or Boston. And we've criticized him that way. Anthony Davis, we've criticized the way he mm-hmm. did it. And so I feel like as a player and as a, and his character is someone that's really loyal, that wants to get it out the mud, like a, what Giannis did with Milwaukee. And so I think maybe deep down he's thinking no matter how I play this, like maybe the best way is to, yeah, these, let me tell my guy, Chris, who does fantastic work, but mm-hmm. I'm not really going to say he's wrong. So I'm not lying, but I'm also putting out the information I need to leak stuff. And so, like you said, it's not really, dimin- he's not turning anything down. So he's not tearing his coach apart. He's not saying that this is what I want to do, but at the same time, by not, turning it down you're really agreeing with it and so it's like he's in and he's out and i feel like in order for anything to truly happen he has to say i want to trade and it, it forces portland to say okay it's time and right now it just feels like a stalemate where no one's really pulling the trigger and that's why i think he stays is because you have every opportunity in the world to do so we haven't heard it yet but we also don't know what's being said and done behind closed doors he could be he's playing team usa basketball right now i know that's obviously an obstacle of its own. He could be figuring out what he even wants to do because he's playing with all these great players. And we know when you do that, like LeBron, I want to play with more great players. That's what happened to him. He went and played Olympics and wow, this was so much fun. I want to go to Miami. I want to play with guys that are just as talented. That may be what he's facing. I know there was a new report before I even got here with you um, talking about Bam Adebayo reported that Dame said he wants to play with a more mobile big that can move because look at what Giannis did. And of course, people immediately, you think of Miami. And imagine yep. him and Jimmy and Bam. So there's a million teams. Every team in the league would want Damian Lillard. It's just a matter of what does he want. And we are all um, kind of on standby because neither you or I or anyone can really tell what he wants unless he go ahead and says it. So do teams want him? Absolutely. It's just mm-hmm. whether or not what is he what is yeah what does he want? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, he's one of the best you know, players at his position, just outright one of the best players in the NBA. I love his demeanor. I love everything about him. I think that he gets, you know, oftentimes too much of the blame for Portland not really going anywhere. But if you look at the just the the injury history that Portland has just traditionally, uh, the, the lack of ability to be able to bring in a free agent, like a big time free agent, all their best players have really either been drafted or um, been kind of a uh, under the radar trade move like a Yosef Nurkic coming out of Denver it they have to be you know very um, meticulous in how they you know bring in players via free agency trade or draft and Neil Olshay to his credit has done a good job but I think now Neil Olshay and 
you know, first time head coach Chauncey Billups are kind of having to deal with this, you know, small market, big fish. What do we do with this? But um, Max, I just thank you so much today for coming on the show for your tremendous insight. Um, just the availability that you've given me during your very busy schedule to, to come on here and dialogue about the finals, you know, um, the trade that have had that has happened and the, some of the moves that we may or may not see here in the near future. But um, just best wishes to, to you. Um, by the time everyone is listening to this, obviously, the draft show would have already taken place. But for those who are watching or listening live, um, be sure just to go and check out uh, Max, Rashad, you know, everyone else from 2319. Um, their, their draft coverage um, on, on the draft. Max, I'll let you plug that even more. But, you know, again, just thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, yes, sir. You do fantastic work. Every time I come on here, it's always a great time. And uh, all the kind words you said to me go right back at you. So I appreciate it. We're all in this together. We're all trying to reach bigger and better things. So I think it's always mm-hmm. better to, to come together in a new NBA mindset, right? Team up and just all elevate each other. And you do a great job of that. So I really do appreciate you always allowing me to come on your show and rant and talk about Bluetooth and Marvel characters. Uh, but I yeah, love so it. this Thursday, <laughs> we can talk Marvel anytime. And you're on 2K. I just got a PS5. So maybe we'll play some 2K soon. Hey, let's do it, man. I'm down. Yes, sir. I. Um, but yeah, this Thursday, um, draft show, 8 p.m. SUV TV. Please tune in. Uh, it's going to be a great show. It's obviously a great draft. You have so many star players in this draft from you got Jalen Green to Kay Cunningham to Evan Mobley. I think Jalen Suggs is great. But then you have so many complimentary pieces that every championship team that wants to grow from the ground up needs. Um, and I think this draft has all of that. So this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, SUV TV, Sports Talk 2319, Todd, Kate, the rest of the crew. It's going to be a great time. So I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on your show and plug that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to just kind of see where the chips fall come draft night compared. I know that you have a scouting guide that has come out. Rashad has a scouting guide. I've been seeing his little vignettes that he's been posting of players, their comps, their fabrics, their origins, you know, their, the, their unique positions that he has broke down. Um, you both do phenomenal work, whether you're comparing a player to a Marvel character or, you know, a, a, an interesting skill set or position that people aren't really necessarily thinking of, but they're all watching it. They just don't know that they know it yet. Um, I love all of that um, that you guys do over at 2319. Um, but Max, again, just thank you so much for your time. And I want to thank everybody who's taken the time out of their day to watch or to listen. Um, if you're listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, thank you so much for your time. Don't go anywhere because coming up next, my buddy Mo Murphy is coming up second on Off the Ball Mondays here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. He's going to have good friend of the show, Zach Ramey, on to discuss a number of different topics about the NBA. Then following that, we have Chris LeBron coming on, kicking off his um, noon show. And then later tonight, we're going to have the Hoopers coming on at 8 p.m. A, a, a great lineup of, you know, just off the ball on Mondays coming up. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. And just don't forget to go and subscribe to the podcast, Breaking the Game, anywhere podcasts are available. Go search Breaking the Game, hit that like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. Any support that you give the show helps. But for my wonderful guest today, Max Von Aachen, for myself, for Breaking the Game, for the Nothing Manette channel here on Dash Radio, for the Off the Ball Network, just for the game of basketball at large, we love you all. You people are beautiful. We'll catch up with you all next time. Much love, everybody.